thing that also stood out was that all of these different accountability partners have different expectations of them and different ways of measuring success. So we can probably you know, recognize that having all of these different expectations and different people is challenging. Welcome to Al Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Al Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders, Marshall Baker, Mike Ritalik, and Brian Myers. Haley Trainee, welcome to Owl Pellets again. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I love the enthusiasm. I was just going to say, she's our favorite rock star when it comes to uh, podcasts. She's got a lot of great things going on to share with everyone. I'm trying. I'm trying. Well, I hope she's keeping her punch card, but her, because her 10th podcast is free. I love it. So Haley, remind us all about how cool you are. Oh boy. Um, Hi everyone, I'm Haley Traney. I am currently an assistant professor at Oregon State University. I'm a Cali girl. Um, I spent about five years in the classroom teaching high school ag in California um, near Sacramento. And then I spent some time abroad teaching and was lucky enough to get a position at Oregon State after uh, finishing my PhD here. So I'm excited to kind of share some research, and this is coming specifically from my dissertation work. Outstanding. Very cool. So you kind of set that up a little bit from this little school paper they call a dissertation. So uh, give us a quick summary of what we're going to be talking about today. Absolutely. So the title is Navigating the Social Landscape of School-Based Ag Ed. Um, And essentially, this work, it stemmed a lot from my personal experience as an ag teacher, that was kind of the the genesis of it all. I was really curious to illuminate some invisible forces that I felt really dictated my decision-making and my behavior as an ag teacher. And so I don't really use the word culture, but that's kind of what I'm trying to uncover here is what is that culture of ag ed and how does it actually influence ag teachers, the way they go about their work, the way that they make decisions, and then ultimately the way that they feel about themselves. So that's kind of the overarching Um, purpose of the study. And specifically, I wanted to illuminate um, the different accountability partners that ag teachers have, the different expectations they have, and how those two things influence their work and their identity, really. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about what you what you found out as you kind of wrestled with this topic. Yeah. So this was a, a qualitative study, meaning I really collected a lot of stories and experiences from ag teachers, and there were a few major themes. And as I go through these, you know, you'll you'll start to realize that oh, maybe this you know um, is similar to my own experience, and it certainly was for me. You know, I found that ag teachers in my study they identified multiple accountability partners. You know, they're not just trying to please or trying to fulfill obligations or expectations from one person, like students. They're trying to meet the expectations for their students, for the administration, for the community members, um, for national FFA, for their peers in the profession. And the thing that also stood out was that all of these different accountability partners have different expectations of them and different ways of measuring success. So we can probably recognize that having all these different expectations and different people is challenging. You know, how do you, you know, how do you actually go about attending to and managing these different expectations? 
it results in stress and long hours and struggle with identity and comparison. And so that's what really emerged in, in the study. The, the participants also said that they didn't feel like they could make any mistakes as they were going about this work. There was a lot of social pressure from all these different people and it was different for different folks, but they noted a lot of pressure from their administration, which we can probably relate to, um, pressure from the community because the community really wanted the awards and they wanted to you know, really showcase the, the FFA um, highlights of the chapter. And so they felt that there was no room for error, which, wow, that's really hard, right? To go about your work feeling like you can't make a mistake. There's no forgiveness. Um, and then a couple other pieces, um, there was a theme called arms race. And essentially ag teachers feel like they are caught up in this invisible, unspoken feeling of judgment and comparison between their peers. Whoa, right? They feel like they're constantly comparing themselves and they almost have to like one up each other. Um, and they have to keep pushing and pushing to win awards and to succeed and, you know, post those images on Instagram and Facebook and just keep continuing to push. Um, and so that is really hard for them because they're constantly comparing themselves to other people. Um, and then the last piece was this idea of validation. You know, as ag teachers do all of this, they actually don't um, claim competence on their own. They don't see themselves as successful until someone else from the outside identifies them as successful. And so they're constantly trying to kind of appease those people and get that validation because that's really important for them. That was a long answer, sorry. Oh. And there's a lot packed in there that uh, maybe we can spend a little bit of time unpacking, um, you know, and, and I, my mind started to wander even which just with the first one because uh, there's there's so much complexity in, the, in some of the findings that you have. So I, I'm thinking about the multiple accountability partners and, and you shared some of the various stakeholders. So my mind starts thinking about how each of those uh, accountability partners have, have those different expectations. So what's that mean for delivery? What's that mean for communication and you know, even even some of the challenges because of the miscommunication, because I could work well with the students, I could work well with my colleagues and fellow ag teachers and the community, but I'm ultimately accountable to an administrator. And yet it seems like there's a disconnect with that communication and, and that accountability pieces. So what did, were you able to unpack that at all? Or I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. So kind of the, the different partners, so they felt accountable to um, let's see, school administration, community members, different CTE liaisons. Some of them had university partners that they were accountable to, other non-ag teachers at school, and then other ag teachers at school themselves, students, and the list goes on and on. Um, they did, most of the participants in this study um, did note kind of a hierarchy of accountability partners when I started kind of probing at that. And it seemed like the administration was kind of at the top of the list which makes sense because they're ultimately, you know, they give us a job. But the administration wanted the test scores, they wanted student numbers, you know, they want things that administration typically wants. But that directly conflicted with some of those other partners like the community who typically wanted awards and banners. And those two partners are often very loud, right? And um, very influential in how you go about your work. And so we didn't get to a lot of solutions or um, you know, resolution with this piece. It was more, whoa, I have these different partners and gosh, they do have different expectations for me. And 
no wonder it's so hard. Like no wonder I'm here all the time working long because I'm trying to fulfill these expectations. I want to be all things to all people, but it, it's a challenge. Yeah. And I wonder with that too, just, just thinking, you know, how accurate are, are as, as an ag teacher, how accurate is my understanding of what someone else's expectations are of me? You know, th this fact that they say the community wants all these banners and awards and all this kind of stuff, is it true? Is, it, is that what the community wants? How do they know that? Or yeah. how, do, how do I know this is what other people want of, want of me to, to do? And so we, we keep telling ourselves these stories and I'm like, yikes. Absolutely. And, you know, the way that we kind of, that emerged in this study was, it was not as direct, you know, they didn't have direct conversations with their admin about what the expectations are, you know, X, Y, and Z. They didn't often have direct conversations with different community partners on, you know, we want X amount of awards per year, da, 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 da. But there was a lot more implicit, um, you know, those implicit connections that emerge, like how the community members, um, they invited you to um, different events and they wanted you to, specifically talk about the award you won or how they wanted you to put up new signs at the beginning, the entrance of the town that talked about the championships won, or they would talk specifically about the awards that were, you know, hanging in your classroom. So some of those things, yeah, they, there's not a lot of direct conversation about what the expectations are, um, which, you know, might be a recommendation, you know, sure. to figure that out. What are the expectations that people have, you know, and, and am I, able to actually fulfill them or not. Especially with community members. I'm not sure how often we're talking with them anymore. And then what do we mean by community members anymore? Because there's different people have different expectations. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. who's, you know, who do we listen to the most? You know, that's, that's hard too. You know, how do we rank those and whose expectations do we take more seriously? So one of the things that really jumped out at me and, and I'll be the bad guy to bring this up that I, I think is a very damning statement about the culture and our profession that I worry about. Uh, and I'll set this up by saying, we know we've been, we were talking about, we've recorded several podcasts. We've had a lot of conversations already on the importance of providing support and everybody being on there, pulling the, pulling the rope and the importance of a supportive network of other ag teachers. But this idea of the arms race you talked about where, an ag teacher is always feeling that they're competing against the other one. So if there's this sense of competing against other ag teachers, how do I get this sense of community that everybody's got my back at the same time that we know from other studies is also important. And how does this all connect with teacher dissatisfaction and all those other things that are happening? Yep. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> question. You know, when you talk about changing a culture, you know, that's not something that can happen overnight. Like that's takes a lot of work. And I think, you know, a lot of the research and this is, you know, we're also contribute to being the bad guy is we, we talk a lot about how the individual teacher needs to change, what things the individual teacher needs to do or grow. But at some point we can't just keep pointing at the individual teacher. We have to look at the larger system and think, okay, what are some system systematic changes that we can make? that might steer the culture away from the arms race. You know, just thinking about how we measure success of ag teachers, you know, with the different awards and the different qualifiers for the awards. I mean, maybe that's something we can reconsider. Um, yeah, making, 
making such a big deal out of winning awards. You know, maybe we could change the way that we talk about that, just our our language. Um, that could be reconsidered. But yeah, it's it's tough. I don't I don't have all the answers, or really very very many at all. That's always good. It's better to have questions than it is to have answers anyway. That's why we love being on the podcast all the time because we get to ask the questions. Right. Well, you know, and I think you're right. It's about this culture and, and I won't, I won't name the state, but I can remember being at a state convention, state FFA convention and walking in on a conversation among a bunch of FFA advisors, ag teachers, where basically the competition was who got to walk across the stage the most. And that was the word they used who got to walk across stage the most. And so that was with some sort of award winner or they were some on some committee or board or whatever else. To, and this was a, and it was somewhat joking, but it was a serious competition. And this happened for years. I hear this and I'm just going, y'all, is that really, really what we're supposed to be doing? And, and I get, and I fully understand how it's easy to get caught up in that because you want to go home you know, and talk to the Daily Bugle, your newspaper back home and say, yeah, we won all these things and did all this stuff and have this big long column, but is that really what it's all about? And how do we, how do we, how do we live in that kind of a culture? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, historically we've put so much meaning and so much emphasis on those awards. It's easy to get wrapped up to it. I, I mean, I did. I was all about, you know, I wanted to be the first person in my, you know, my um, ag ed cohort to be the most successful. Mm -hmm. um, and so I pushed and pushed and pushed. And, you know, we, we, we know what happens when you keep pushing. It's, it's usually not good for, you know, your overall well-being. And so getting, breaking that cycle, you know, is not something just one person can do. It needs to be a, a system effort. That's tough. Yeah, and you, you think, my mind goes to a, a few ag programs in the area where I live that uh, they've tried to push that culture a little bit different direction. Um, and these are some teachers that have got 20 plus years of experience, but rather than throwing only FFA awards and FFA recognition in the local newspaper, they have something in the paper almost weekly. And the bulk of the photos and the stories are about what's happened in the classroom and what's being taught, the labs that they're doing, what students are learning with pictures and stories. And then if I see anything about FFA or state convention, it's really, they're trying to communicate the extension of that out of the classroom to the FFA and to those various things. And it's been interesting to see how within the region where the, the paper is being distributed, how that, that, that culture is trying to be and shifted a little bit and focusing more on the learning than the number of times that they walked across stage at state FFA convention and, and those various things or how many trophies they're holding up. So I yeah. thought that it's been interesting for me and the various experiences that I've had as a teacher to see how that has really changed and kind of evolved, uh, uh, at least within this small little sector of a handful of teachers. Mm -hmm. I love that. So yeah, there are a lot of these, these lines, Haley, you know, being the, the expert that you are, as we all are on, on things, um, the, more, the more we dig, the, the less answers we have, the more questions we have. But, you know, you have this platform where we have at least a dozen listeners that listen to this podcast. 
Um, and, and you know, the four of us that are uh, <laughs> it's the four of us. My mom, uh, I think Kate's mom listens to it, so we're up to six. Yeah. Um, so you know, at least half a dozen people listen to the podcast. But what what would you say the conversation needs to be around for state leaders? If we're talking to people that are, you know, leading teacher organizations, leading state departments of education, what 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 conversation do we need to be having at that level to help address this arms race? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I think that's actually, I think where I'm going to go next with the research is kind of looking at the leadership in, in AGED and what we can do to help um, or what we're currently doing to hinder a change. I think, um, I think a candid conversation needs to happen about, you know, looking at some of this research and saying, okay, what are we doing? What, what messages are we saying and, and sending? And, you know, really being critical of how we're helping or hindering this. You know, you hear ag teachers talk about, oh, my state leader, I'll get five emails a week and each email is asking me to do something. You know, what if we took a, what if, you know, we, we made a list and we said, okay, we're gonna reduce the expectations for ag teachers. Well, what would that even look like? Or what are some ways that we can take something off of their plate? You know, everything we add is good for students. We, we, we know that, we recognize that. That's probably why we keep doing it, right? Because we love students and we love program and we see the value of ag ed. Um, but we also know that that's not working, especially when you look at the literature on ag teacher attrition and why ag teachers leave. There's just too much. So I think it's time to say, okay, there's too much. Now, what are we going to do to reduce that? and make, you know, have those candid conversations and then actually make some practical changes in reducing the workload of ag teachers. And I think if state leaders can have that conversation and actually do that, then I think we're headed in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the teacher attrition and retention issue because if I stripped away the entire paper that you talked about and just had that sentence with the five uh, findings or themes that you um, came up with related to your study, we could almost plug those in to an attrition study of, of why teachers are leaving the profession. So I think I think that's certainly a, kind of an insightful perspective as we think more broadly about the social landscape that you're really studying, Haley. Mm-hmm. And then I wonder where those two findings actually intersect with each other. Yeah. Is there this disconnect between what people think the expectations are for them and then what, then what they really are. They think, they think everybody expects all these things where maybe they only expect these things, mm-hmm. but they don't understand that. And this idea of trying to compete with each other to do this. And, you know, it, I mean, I'm, and I'm not a, a person that says competition necessarily is bad. I mean, right. competition can still be a teaching tool. It can still a, a good thing, but it's like any tool. It's, it's when used appropriately um, to do those sort of things. So I, I think this is a tough deal, but, you know, I think Mike might've been onto something there with, with his local teachers. It's about what we're promoting. It's promoting the, the rest of the thing that the only competition isn't the number of contests you win yep. because that adds higher expectation because they know my principal still wants me to teach all day long and to teach all these students and do all this stuff. And I got to do all this kind of stuff. And Oh, by the way, in order to be, think I'm a good FFA advisor, I got to win every competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really interesting, you know, that you're working. I mean, this stuff is, is foundational and, and really important, Haley. Uh, it's, it's really great stuff. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
So where are you going next with your research um, as you as you think about uh, studying these topics and and uh, the additional questions that you have? Yeah. So currently at Oregon State, my position is more in leadership education. And so I'd love to kind of put some different lenses on this problem, um, looking more at those who have power. Uh, I think the idea of power is really interesting because I think that influences our behavior so much. And maybe it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Brian, about those expectations, you know, the perceived versus real expectations, you know, how are those even formed? How is it that we come to think about these expectations? Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, those leaders, those folks who are in power. It could be the state CTE leader, ag ed staff. It could be the ag ed professor at your university. It could be more seasoned ag teachers. Those folks who have status, who have um, you know, established legitimacy who have power, they have a, a, they have a lot of influence. And so I think that's kind of where I'm going to go next, you know, thinking about how those leaders can help change the system, help, you know, modify um, or morph the landscape. Because I think we could, we could do a lot as individual ag teachers, and we should, but I also think we need to do something more at the, the leadership level. And so I think that's where I'm going to go. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet, but stay tuned. Yeah, I think of this way is is the power of myth in 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 setting these expectations. Sometimes we start these stories where whether it's ag teachers or university faculty, we only sit here and talk about one crazy example in one particular area. And so this person who did this one thing really really well becomes a standard in that area, and this other person who did this other thing really 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 well becomes a standard in this area. And the expectation is we're gonna meet this, all these levels to do that. Mm -hmm. And and both the the formal power and informal power, I don't know if I'm using that right, but it's those in position and those just kind of in there, the, the stories we tell and, and what we do with other ag teachers or other faculty is, is pretty interesting to make sure that we're conveying the right message. Absolutely. And it seems like there's only the expectations that we have or these notions of success for ag teachers are the same are supposed to be the same for every ag teacher. You know, if you look at the metrics that are out there, but what if success look different from program to program from teacher to teacher, depending on if it's rural or urban, depending on your student population, depending on your community. I mean, could we perhaps leave, you know, have a more flexible notion of what it means to be a good ag teacher. I think that would, I think that would help too. I think you're dead on that. That's a great way. And I really appreciate how you summarize that is, is so well. It's, you know, we, we sit here and say that a good ag ed program, school-based ag ed program is reflective of the community and, and tailored to that specific needs and so different to do that. But yet we use the same yardstick to measure every single ag teacher, no matter where they are. I'm like, Hmm, maybe, maybe we're doing something wrong there. Mm -hmm. So that is fantastic. Haley, once again, phenomenal work. Uh, this is stuff that we're going to be talking about, and I hope um, others in the profession and doing the research build upon this work. But the, the great thing I think about this is no matter where a person is in their career or you know, a new ag teacher, a mid-career ag teacher, or a state leader, there's something in this study that, that directly impacts them and gives them something to think about either in their own professional development or in how they're mentoring and working with other folks to do that. So thank you very much for sharing that with us today on Alpellets. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. As always, for folks who are listening, I'd love to hear your story. You know, shoot me an email, uh, connect on Facebook, 
you know, what is your experience? Is it similar to this? Is it different? Uh, what suggestions do you have for changing this landscape? Outstanding. Yeah, be sure to interact and engage and check out all the materials, support materials that go along with this podcast. So Haley, thank you so much and have a phenomenal day. Thank you. Thanks, Haley. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Socialize with us by following Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can join the conversation by adding your thoughts in the comments and sharing the podcast with others. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you and we'll look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.